Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I am here with Terrence Tang and he's an amazing calligrapher letterer. And look, I've got his shirt on. It looks backwards to me. Does it look backwards to you? It's the right side for me. Okay, well everything else is <laughs> backwards. Anyway, I'm excited to have everybody in the chat and I'm excited to get started. I had a ton of questions for Terrence. He um, I'm going to let him tell his story a little bit. He was a web designer and then he just like packed it up and said, no, I mean, I think you did some planning right before you just quit your web design job. Yeah, there was a little bit of planning, but really it just kind of all materialized in the span of just a few months. So I, I have been working in a corporate design setting for about 12 years now. And I think a lot of people are surprised to hear that because they don't realize how old I actually am. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've been working corporate for about 12 years and um, I rediscovered lettering at uh, when I went to Circles Conference. And I had always loved lettering when I was a kid. I just didn't really know that it was a thing. Like I would always just draw random things. Like I would make my own comics and create characters and give them names and letter their names. And like uh, my friend group, we, like, we created uh, a name with all of our, you know, the first letters of all our last names. And, <laughs> And I, I made this little goofy logo out of the name of our group. Shout out to Thack. So, so, you know, I always loved lettering, but I rediscovered it recently, like a couple of years ago. And, um, yeah, and, and I just really? realized. Just a few years ago, that's it? Yeah, uh, probably 2013. Yeah, right after, right after uh, my wife and I got married, actually, which is, <laughs> she still gives me a hard time to this day because, She's like, why couldn't you have gotten into calligraphy before the wedding? I'm like, sorry, that's how it goes. Come on, let's get married so I can get on to this calligraphy then. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Okay, well, tell us a little bit. So you actually went to design. Did you go to design school for web design? No. I, I actually went to film school. Oh, that's right. I graduated, a film, I graduated with a film degree, and um, I actually took some web design classes on the side, and... I, I was just kind of playing around in Photoshop just for fun. And when I graduated, I looked at my demo reel for video and I was like, this is terrible. I'm never going to get a job. I'm not going to work for Pixar like I wanted to. Um, I'm never going to direct the next blockbuster movie. So let me go this other route. I have some web stuff that I can actually show people. So let me just try to be a web designer. And I ended up doing web design and graphic design for a really, really long time. So, so, so 12 years you did, you were yeah. in the web kind of field. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was doing, I was in the, the medical industry because mm -hmm. in Houston, I'm in Houston by the way. So um, the medical field is one of the big ones here uh, aside from oil and gas. So I, I ended up in the medical field doing uh, graphic, graphic. I thought you said design. boiling gas. And boiling. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> There's a big boiling gas industry? That seems <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, I mean, oil and gas, oil and gas. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. did a uh, web design and kind of fell into graphic design. I was actually surrounded by a lot of talented designers um, at my job. So I, I would do the really annoying thing. Don't ever do this to people. I stood behind them while they were working and designing things. And I would just watch them in illustrator and like do stuff. I realize now how annoying that must have been <laughs> I learned so much from these people. <laughs> You guys know who you are if you're watching. <laughs> so, so then uh, how many jobs did you have as a web designer? Uh, I had 
about three. So I, yeah, so I worked, I actually worked for a bank first and then our little group um, split out and tried to make it as an agency and that didn't work out. So then I landed uh, in uh, the medical field. So doing this, the web design. this is a question I didn't put on the sheet, but yeah. I always find this is fascinating. So for entrepreneurs, I usually, um, so people who have like, are like, yeah, let's just do this. Let's, I'm going to do this. Like usually have some sort of entrepreneur in their family because mm -hmm. they kind of set the stage. Like, and you, you know what it's is. Is there an entrepreneur in your immediate family? Yes. Uh, my dad was a restaurateur and, um, I actually have a lot of like uncles and like distant uncles, like a lot of people in my family were in the restaurant business, owning their own restaurants and some still are. So, so, you, so it was ingrained to you. You knew what it was going to be like, because I think that some people can, and I don't know if that's what you were in a group. Did other, did those other people not understand what an entrepreneur was or was it just not a right fit or you don't have to talk about it. You can say uh, rooster. If you don't want to say Wait, I'm not, I'm not sure what you mean. Like, what? what do so, you, so if it's a group, say it's you and Jimmy and Bobby, uh -huh. and Jimmy and Bobby never, they'd always just had a real job. Oh, okay. But you had, you understood about like people in your family being entrepreneurs and what it took to, to do. And maybe that's why it didn't work. Or it was just Jimmy and Bobby both were entrepreneurs. They just, they didn't get along. No, I just, I just think generally it was something that was kind of downplayed. Um, it was just kind of, you know, it was always told to me to kind of go the safe route and get a real job and just kind of essentially coast through life and, you know, retire at 65. And because then, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Right? And, you know, when you have a corporate job, it's stable and you have the benefits and all that. And it is true to a certain degree. But um, I think that was always told to me as the more secure, the more safe way to go. So all these thoughts in my head of starting my own thing, it just, it just seemed ridiculous for me to even try. So I, I never did. Hmm. Hey, I'm on my show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I heard them knocking and I locked it today because last time they came in, this guy's like, there's an air conditioning problem. <laughs> Um, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So 12 years and then you were, what happened that you were like, I can't do this anymore. And it so, was before you got married. No, after you got married, after, so it was right before James came. Yeah. So I worked at one company for seven years and I was basically dying inside because this company, like it became apparent that um, after, after I had learned everything that I sought out to learn, they did not intend on giving me any sort of opportunity to grow anymore. So I was just sitting there for like two years, just, just kind of rotting away. And, you know, I, I thought this was what life was like. I mean, people just landed a job and they, they go to work and they just sit there, you know, day to day. And, and it just, it was just eating away at me. I wanted to do something more, something more meaningful. And I finally got another job at another company. And uh, that was the best thing that could have happened to me because that company, it was the complete opposite. They let me do, they gave me complete creative freedom. They were very encouraging. Um, and they sent me to Circles Conference, which is where I rediscovered lettering. So 
if I hadn't landed at that job and met those people and gotten the freedom that I did, uh, I, I would not be here. But you were still dying inside, in a way. In a way, yeah, because once I realized that, so, so this new job, when I got there, like the first year of the job, I kept telling myself, man, this is like my ideal job. It's stable. Mm -hmm. I have creative freedom. Um, and, you know, I, I really thought that I was going to retire there. And after a while, after like kind of going to circles and looking around at, at the landscape and seeing the stuff that people were doing, I was like, man, I, I really just want more. Like I, I doing the, the internal client work that I was doing, it just mm -hmm. wasn't satisfying. It was frustrating. And I was like, I got to find a way to get out of client work because I, I really don't like it. And I just want to do my own thing. I want to make my stuff and somehow make a living with that. So I think that kind of seed just kind of started growing. So, all right. So you, um, did, what did your parent, did you discuss this with them? If they've been always like, take the safe route, you know, it's hard to be your own, you know, own your own business. You know, it's funny. I, I was the most nervous about telling my parents because I, you know, obviously first I talked to my wife about it and I was like, you know, I want to do this thing. Um, my Instagram account is growing and it's kind of validating what I think I can make happen. And she was like, you know what, if we're going to do this, we should do it now. Like go for it. And I was like, sweet. Now I got to figure out a way to tell my parents somehow and not have them freak out. And I told my mom first and surprisingly she was just really like supportive and she told me you know this you know I, I guess maybe it was because by the time I told her I was already in my 30s and I had worked in the corporate setting for so long and I just wasn't happy and she could tell that I wasn't happy so I think uh, she saw it as an opportunity for me to actually do something that I care about and she she was behind it and she told my dad and my dad was like well I mean I, I, my dad was like, I started a business. His grandfather owned a business. I mean, let's just see what happens. You so know? is everybody in Houston or did you, did you live somewhere else and you moved to Houston? Uh, no, I, I was born and raised here and pretty much everyone is here. Okay. All right. So it wasn't like you had to like go to <laughs> Kansas and tell your parents you were starting. No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. I, I just like had lunch with my mom one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, so um, I did. I forgot another question that I have to ask you because you have a ton of shoes behind you. Yes. And I think I read something or I saw an ant. You answered this one time, but you do have a lot of shoes. I do. And so you want to tell people a little bit about that or how, why you have so many shoes? Because this is your office. So, yes. And this you're is not in a seat. closet. Let me see if I can actually aim down. So <laughs> yeah. these are some of my shoes. This is like my my daily rotation of sneakers, actually. And they're all, most of them are all the same type. They're all like- Brian, Brian White just said, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Anyways. so clearly, clearly I have a, a slightly unhealthy obsession <laughs> of sneakers. Um, so I'm a sneakerhead for people who know the term. And um, yeah, I've been collecting probably probably since maybe '06, but you know, ever since like high school, I've been obsessed with sneakers. Like I well, would you just wear them. I wear them. Yeah, yeah, I definitely wear them. 
And I, I would, it was funny because I would actually come home from high school and I would get the sneaker catalogs in the mail and I would open them up and I'd be like, oh man, look at this design. And I would sit there and I would draw my own design. And I would say, hey, if, if I designed this shoe, I would do it differently like this. And I had, I actually had sneaker designs. And that was one of my, one of the jobs that I wish I had pursued is to be a sneaker designer. But by the time I realized it was a, it was a real thing, it was probably a little too late. It's never too late. You could still do it. But well, so um, now they have programs for kids to design sneakers and come up in the industry. So oh, it, wow. it, it'd be an uphill battle for me to do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, <laughs> so Carlos said, can you imagine if he had more than two feet? So Carlos is an illustrator and I can just imagine that's an illustration you need to do. Like Terrence with like, I don't know how many pairs. Is this the only room you have shoes in or do you have another closet that you keep? I, there's another room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's another room, but it's, it's slowly dwindling because I'm actually selling off a lot of the shoes to, to generate capital for the business. So so you had this investment. There is like, there's a thing with shoes. Like I had a student, he would buy shoes that came out, but they weren't even his size. So he wouldn't wear them. They were in the box. He would right. sell them, you know, he's like, this is an investment. And I'm like, really? Yes. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. you can't even wear those. Some of, them like, as, no. some of them, as soon as you buy them, they, the value goes up 300, 400%. And you could just turn around and sell it right away. Wow. Yeah. I mean, ask, I saw, I saw uh, Mike Jones was at a sneaker con with his kids. So yeah. ask, ask Mike, he'll know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it, it is really amazing. And it's a whole kind of niche world. I think that some yeah. people didn't, I didn't know about it. It's fun. And it's also very um, unhealthy. <laughs> so um, Eric says that um, he sees Tinlin uh, sneakers in the future. And then Deidre said she would totally purchase a pair. I surely hope so. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. I, I really want to design my own sneakers one day. It, it would be so much fun. Then you should do it. Yeah, I will. All right, will. so I'll get there. We're still on number two. So yeah, no. <laughs> no, that's okay, hopefully. Yeah. Um all right. So what's the hardest what was the hardest thing to walk away from from having a full time job? Was it uh, what, did your dad do okay when you told him? Yeah, he was fine. He was fine with it. But although I still don't really think he knows what I'm doing. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I would say the hardest thing to walk away from uh, was the people at the job. Mm. Because at this new company, the team that I worked with, like they were all really great people. And it was just, it was really fun to be around them every day. So, you know, just to, to feel like I was kind of letting everyone down by leaving. Like that was, that was probably the hardest part for me because I, I genuinely like those, those guys. Do you miss being around? Cause sometimes I think if you're working at home so much, it can be isolating for me. And I know that like, you're more of an introvert and I'm mm -hmm. not, um, but do you, do you feel that too? A little bit. Um, I will go out to a coffee shop every now and then and just get around people and change the scenery. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, there are, <laughs> I have plenty of like chat rooms and group chats and stuff to just keep me busy throughout the day to, so that it feels like I'm not by myself. Right. And you have like a, a group, like you have a Slack group with some yeah. of the people that are in the chat, Scotty and, yeah. um, and uh, Eric and a bunch of other people, right? Colin. And, and so that yeah. you guys kind of have this team that's kind of built. Yeah. yeah. They're like, 
they kind of became my new coworkers in a sense. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think they would probably all say that the same as well. So, um, so how, just, how did you tell your boss or your coworkers, I guess that's the, how did you get over that hurdle? Um, because I do think it's kind of like you're disappointing them because you're going to do this other thing. So, Sometimes people will hold on. It's kind of like a relationship. You know, they'll hold on because they just don't want to break up. It's never the right time. It's right before Valentine's or right mm -hmm. before their birthday or whatever, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how did you, how, how was that? How did you deal? Did you just make a clean break and you're like, hey, we'll meet for lunch next week? Well, yeah. I mean, those, so I had two conversations, one with my immediate supervisor and then one with uh, the director. And those were two of the hardest conversations I've ever had in my life. I mean, I was, I was shaking, nervous, you know, pulling them into the conference room and telling them that you know, I was going to try out this adventure, you know, that who knows how it was going to play out. And um, I guess in my head, it could have gone so many different ways, but I'm really fortunate that they were both really, really supportive and they're still very supportive. Um, and I made sure to let them know that it's really because of them that they helped give me the confidence to do, you know, to even attempt what I'm doing. So right. it's, I really appreciate, you know, all of them. That's cool. Okay. So now we'll go on to uh, number three. <laughs> so really it was Instagram and having that following that really mm -hmm. gave you confidence, right? And it wasn't like one day and then, you were doing it for a little bit and then bam, you just had a ton of followers. It was something you were, you were growing. And so this is a step I think some people maybe are missing. So this is a commitment you had to make to yourself to be able to um, publish and post things on a regular basis in, mm -hmm. in a style that was more your style, right? Well, honestly, it wasn't something that I kind of purposely built. Mm -hmm. uh, at first I started it, as just kind of a, a way to show my practice and show people what I was doing and just kind of catalog the, the progress. And as I kept going with it and, and more and more people jumped on board and, you know, the following grew and I would submit to certain contests and I would kind of place in them here and there. And I was like, wait, this is, this could maybe turn into something. And then that's when I started being a little more intentional with it and posting every day. And that's when it really started to, to pick up and then that's when I showed my wife and I was like hey look this is this is actually happening <laughs> so then so when when posting every day did you find your sweet spot were you doing seven days a week five days a week or I I tried doing seven days a week but then I found that certain days were kind of pointless to post because just people weren't paying attention those days so right um, I basically did five or six days a week and I would basically come home from the day job and immediately jump on, you know, the sheet of paper and just start doodling. Or I eventually started recording mm -hmm. uh, videos of myself doing the calligraphy and just started getting more adventurous with that. So um, it got to a point where I could record a session and edit and put out the video in about an hour's time. And it just, it just became very... <laughs> I got into a routine of doing it and it became very quick. And so it was really about an hour. You would get home, you would do this, then you would go have life. Well, I would still continue to draw other things. Like even after I posted something, I would keep, I would keep playing. And my wife was like, you're just 
on that pen and paper all the time or you're ever going to get off there. <laughs> it's like what my husband says about my phone. Yeah. She's like, can we, can we watch a movie or something? You know, like, can you, can you step away from that? And I'm like, I really, it's really hard to, I can't because I'm, I love it so much. I just wanted to experiment with everything and get better. So I was on it as much as I could, as much as she would allow me to. <laughs> Yeah, understandable. But it is, it's like you said, you were playing, right? But yeah. then you were just sharing that play that you weren't trying to get followers. You were just sharing your process, which I think is a really good, um, you know, a good reason for for doing that. So Yeah, and I, it's funny because I feel like now that I'm trying to get followers, it's not happening as much. <laughs> it's you, like, do you feel like you're doing something different now? Uh. I'm sharing a different kind of content because mm -hmm. now I'm trying to sell products instead of um, just show calligraphy process and whatnot. I mean, I'm still doing a little bit of that, but um, for the most part, yeah, it just, you know, like when you're, when you try to find something, you can't find it, but the minute you stop looking, like it just pops up. Right. <laughs> That's kind of like with the followers, like when I, when I wasn't even trying to get them, they were all coming on board. And now that I'm trying, I just, I mean, I still get them here and there, but, <laughs> it's tougher. Well, it's, I think it, it is. I think you do have to give something away um, yeah. on a regular basis. And um, so Eric just shared um, your, his favorite piece of yours uh, from 36 Days of Type. So thank you for sharing that. And it's a, uh, a YouTube. So thank you. And I don't know if it's the same. Yeah, it's the same one I have for later. But Sweet. we'll share it again. And I have it for the show notes. Um, but why Instagram? Why do you think it was so important to see the Instagram more so than YouTube um, for followers, you think? Um, I think at the time that I just started doing it, uh, Instagram was kind of the new thing. And there happened to be a ton of lettering artists jumping onto Instagram, mm -hmm. like just at that moment. And um, I think just just the popularity of of the technique and the medium it just it just kind of elevated it to a, a level that I couldn't get anywhere else I mean YouTube I had seen some things obviously uh, Matt Rigotis he has a lot of stuff mm -hmm. uh, on YouTube and that I was looking at but um, he was basically the only guy that was doing it at the time and uh, but Instagram like people were just lettering artists and calligraphers were blowing up on Instagram and they yeah. still are it was the right time, right? It's yeah. kind of like the old, the wild west, you know, if you, yeah. if you were out there, you could really, and I think that's still how it is. And I think we are kind of determining how we can do business on Instagram and how mm -hmm. we can grow audiences. But a lot of times designers or maybe anybody doesn't realize how important growing an audience is. So you have to have people who are going to come back and want content from you and they're right. getting something from you as much as, and, not necessarily product, but they're, you're giving them something and there is this exchange of um, inspiration or advice right. or, or something, which I think is nice that you were doing a little bit of both. You were doing inspiration um, visually on Instagram mm -hmm. and then you were also kind of, again, doing visual um, on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But there are other parts of the YouTube stuff that you were able to, to share, I think. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so... <laughs> He, Eric says it's exactly like the old west or wild west. You know what I mean? Um, 
All right, so this is one of my questions, and we already <clears throat> wait, so I asked it before we went live. Um, how much of your income it, for Tinlun Studios is based off of um, freelance work, and then how much is selling products that you make? Because I like to know percentages, right. and I love the answer. So I am currently not doing any freelance work at all, and if I do take on a freelance project, it's pro bono for somebody that like as a friend of mine or someone I just want to help out or um, maybe barter services with. But um, right now, zero of my income is from freelance. I'm 100% designing my own art and selling my products. That's awesome. And that's super hard though, right? So having that audience prior was critical, mm -hmm. right? So what was, what was your audience number-wise? And I guess, you know, things are always changing. But what was it at where you said, hey, you know, honey, I think I can make this jump? I think probably when I hit like 10K, um, and really not just the number of 10K, but how quickly it got there, mm -hmm. um, that I was just like, I, I think I can make something happen with this. And, and I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to do because I, I'd always liked the, obviously I like buying products. I mean, I got all of them back here. <laughs> So I, I've always liked the, the purchasing and packaging experience of opening up something new and just getting that that new thing and just mm -hmm. like this this is awesome you know like I've always loved that experience and of course I love lettering so I was like well let me combine the two and see what I can do <laughs> right so and it you you do all your own packaging as well so and you're putting it together you're scoring it you have videos on that too i think those are some from the vlog um, yeah. and i think that you must like that part there is that's more like production and it can be sort of factory work when you have so many if you're giving away 500 or something or you're yeah. packaging ready for something like that but then there's a lot of other like the lighting that you learned in um, film school you're able to use for your photography and shots I think that those are some things that make your shots really powerful mm -hmm. is some of that stuff that you learned right yeah it's it's funny because um, I talked to some of the like the high school kids uh, in the camp that I work with and they, you know, they, they're so afraid to try something and feel like it's going to be a waste of time. Mm. And, and I look back now and I'm, I could easily say that I wasted my time in film school or I could say I wasted my time, um, you know, at that working at that company for seven years, but I learned a lot of valuable stuff during that time and I'm bringing all of that together now. So it's like, I'm bringing in the photography that I picked up as a hobby. I'm bringing in the video from school. I'm bringing in lighting. I'm bringing in um, random things like working with vendors mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, production skills, you know, all the things that I've learned. I'm bringing it all together right now. And you just, you never know, you know, what, what kind of skills are going to help you out in the future. So nothing is a waste of time. It, it's never a waste of time. Absolutely. So Fabio says the combination of your experiences makes you who you are today. Absolutely. So I watched all the vlogs. You had a, a vlog. You have a vlog. Um, I really like seeing the behind the scenes, family stuff, James. Um, and I love that you share your struggles. So you more of an introvert 
now have to be a salesman and you have mm -hmm. to, so, and I want to kind of talk about that. So you have this product, you want to sell it, but you don't want to be salesy and you really, it, that is really important to you not to come off as that. So how do you wrap? Because you do need people to buy, but you also, you know how to, that it's a struggle, right? Yeah. And what I've, it took me a long time to figure out, but what I've started doing now is to kind of wrap it all into um, showing the process of everything that I create and kind of letting my passion for everything ooze through it all. And I feel like that in itself tells a story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the lettering phrases that I choose have a story. Mm. So I think the story and the whole process and everything like that's I'm letting that kind of thing sell the product and not actually actively say, Hey, look, I have a notebook now, you know, which I had done before, but it, it just was not effective. Right. So. so it's instead, and I think this is important to kind of reiterate. So instead of just saying, here's this, you're now actually letting, letting the message be the story and then this is just something with that message and so it's kind of like a a token like for when you go to a trip and you had um a memento now this becomes a memento of the story in a way right yeah yeah and actually that's interesting because i i didn't realize that until now that when i do go on trips i like to bring back like i'll go to a sneaker store you know in boston or something and i'll, I'll pick up a sneaker there and i still have that sneaker and i i have the story associated with it and i think that's kind of the experience that i want to bring to people is to associate the story with a product that resonates with people all right so um all right so i think that that it is something you have to figure out and you are giving content still. So I think that that's a, another way of not just being so salesy. So right. you're telling a story it, and I think that's the video. You're always telling a story, right? So that's something mm -hmm. that is innate in you. Mm -hmm. um, but if, because you have to make money and you have to get the word out, you have to share what you have. Um, I think we've already kind of, anyway, I guess I should have not had that as two separate lines. Anyway, so you're building <laughs> your store and you, um, you were, I guess you had to dip into savings because you quit your job, but you had, um, done some savings. And I think it was either six months before James arrived or James was six months old. There was something with the six months. Yeah. I, I had about six months of savings oh. and, um, and that was just like, on the surface, like just in case. And then I had other savings that I could dip into, you know, if, if I really needed to. So um, I had a pretty good cushion and I'm actually still working off of all of that right now. Like I, we're over a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's and we're cool. basically, we're basically single income right now. And um, we do have some support from my parents and um, Jen's parents and maybe not monetary support, but like they'll, They'll help watch James a day if they if I need them to or something like that. And just everyone is is very supportive and, and helping out in, in their own way. So uh, we're very fortunate. That's amazing, and that's great, and it really does help. Like if your parents hadn't been on your side, I think it could have been more. It they might not have. You might have that emotional support is just as important as the financial support. I think. definitely, definitely. All right, so um, and building the store seemed like you might have thought it took longer than 
it would have taken. Now, part of that is because you're a web designer, I think, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Uh, my web design skills are very outdated, but I can poke around in HTML and, and make things happen if I need to. <laughs> So, so when you're um, working and you're, so how long did it take you from when you quit to when you launched the store? About six months. Um, I quit like the first of July and I launched uh, like on during the new year. So yeah, it was about six months. So do you think that um, part of that, the struggle was just because it was during the holidays and, you know, people buy different at different times and it's also, or were you building up more, um, you know, product? Um, I was really just taking care of a lot of the business side of things, like getting everything set up and trying to figure out, um, you know, like getting the website up and making sure I had the correct, um, you know, shopping platform and, you know, really just trying to make sure everything was, was right before I really just started trying to sell anything because I mean, it just, it, it took a lot longer than I thought it would. And by the time I was kind of ready, the holidays hit and I was like, yeah, I could, I could sell during the holidays, but then, you know, you get the holiday shipping and things get lost. And I don't know if that's something that I can deal with right now, if, if it's something that I launch with and then now I have to deal with people's stuff getting lost. Like I, I just kind of waited it out. I was like, all right, forget it. I'm not going to launch before Christmas, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait it through and I'm going to start first of the year. I'm just going to launch and then I'll, I'll have a fresh start from there. So six months, do you think that that's a reasonable amount of time? If you were telling somebody that wanted to do the same thing, like give it that much, you think you might can do it in three, but you might, you probably can't. To, to kind of do the same thing that I'm doing. Well, if they, if they were trying to start selling a product of their own and they were having to do it from scratch, like create their own site, mm -hmm. but maybe they already had products. Mm -hmm. Did you have all the packaging, everything done? You were just waiting and okay. Yeah. So you had to do all that stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. It all had to get done. And I mean, really, I, I could say that, you know, three, four five months was a good amount of time, but like really that time was that time did not include building an audience building an audience I spent like two years doing that so if you don't have an audience then who are you gonna sell to right. you, know, you, you kind of you have to start with that first so and that was really what you did while you had your other jobs yes yeah and, but that was such a time commitment as daily right? yeah because you yeah. were also building your skill yeah yeah I was <laughs> It was a lot of time, yeah, and uh, there were some there were some conversations with my wife that had to be had. But you know, I I learned the hard way that I was being an idiot, and <laughs> I needed to focus a little less on lettering and a little more on the family. I think we've all probably maybe not for lettering, but whatever our side project <laughs> is, um, I think it is really important to make sure our spouses know that we really do want to spend time with them. Yeah, um, we so. Um, so let's talk about the stay humble. Um, okay. and thank you for making a women's t-shirt <laughs> first off. Uh, so I love it. Um, and it's like awesome. a great soft and I love this. And when you were talking about the, um, the Houston Chinese youth 
so uh -huh. it has embrace. Can you see this? I don't want you to see my tummy. So, you know, anyway, ah, it says embrace failure. And <laughs> there's people walking by like <laughs> shirt up. So <laughs> anyway, um, not very far. I mean, hopefully I won't get killed on YouTube this time. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so one side says your has your brand, and mm -hmm. then the other side it's like this hidden. And that was one of the like the um, there are multiples. It's not always a. Dip I might get another shirt, and it might say a totally different um, things are random, right? Yeah, yeah. And these are the kind of little details that that I love to put into my products. Is like I want. I want to make sure that everyone gets a unique experience or as unique of an experience as possible. And um, so the hem tags, there's three different sayings and you get one random one and that's going to continue for the next line, uh, the next uh, uh, collection that's releasing soon. So going to keep that going. Cool. I love that. So, um, so I have another, this is a business question, so I want to get it before you get to stay humble. Okay. So one of the things that I learned from the vlog, which I think is a great kind of business sense. So somebody um, is also selling products like you. So they're, you're trying to give advice. <clears throat> one thing you learned was, hey, somebody might want a poster and a t-shirt. So I have to figure out packaging and mm -hmm. shipping so that you're not doing two items, right? So okay. is there anything else that, and you might explain that a little bit better than I did. Is, is there anything else? Sorry, you, you kind oh. of stopped your question. <laughs> did I cut out? So um, did was there anything else you learned, like packaging-wise or little things that you're like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> um, I think that was probably the biggest one, is that, you know, it, like you said, you like I had a print and I had a shirt and I had notebooks and I had packaging for each of the three of those. If somebody buys one thing, right. But then an order came in, someone bought a poster and a shirt and I didn't have any packaging to fit that. And then someone bought like a notebook and you know, a print. And I was like, well, that's not too bad, but it's still not ideal. You know, it's just, I didn't have the, the packaging to accommodate for the combinations of things. And I, <laughs> that was a really silly uh, realization for me that, that I needed to figure that out. And that those are the kind of random things that just come up. You know, it's just, you don't think of that kind of stuff and it just comes up and you just got to deal with it right away. Right. So you had to kind of rethink some, some of the stuff that you had already thought was kind of ready to go. Yeah, definitely. But that's also being an entrepreneur. You kind of have to, this stuff's going to be thrown at you and you got to be able to juggle, right? Yeah. A lot of it is just figuring it out on the fly. I mean, that's, that should be the definition of entrepreneurs, figuring out, figure it out on the fly. And also having confidence that you can figure it out, right? Yeah. yeah. And not just like, I'm going to just fall in a, you know, in a <laughs> ball on the floor and it'll just go away. So yeah. Patrick had a question before, and we have two questions. Anonymous viewer asked a question. And okay. then Patrick. So Patrick has a question that says, how do you mean focus? Let me say that again. How do you maintain focus on a project? He gets distracted before I finish a piece, taking taking it to market, and then it goes into the drawer or on the hard drive to be forgotten. That's a great question. So I do have quite a few um, kind of forgotten projects. Like I'll start something and then it just kind of goes away. And I take those to be the projects that don't mean as much to me. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe the messaging is not, as significant to me or it may not resonate as much 
uh, with other people. But the ones that I stick with, those seem to be the ones that, you know, like I stick with them for a reason because they, they mean something to me and I, I know that they'll mean something to other people too. So I just kind of naturally let that happen. I filter out the ones that don't matter and maybe they, they don't matter at the time, but maybe later on you'll come back to it and you go, okay, I had this experience between then and now, and now this means something to me and I want to resume it. And, you know, now it'll be something that stays on your front burner. So. But I also think having that connection makes people, they get on board because it also is telling part of their story. Mm -hmm. so I feel like when you do like stay humble, which I'm going to let you get to, and then I'll get to this other question, but what it, what was about that messaging? Because I love this. Like, there are some people who I think I need to buy the shirt for, but they would be offended, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So tell us about why. Why is this so important to you? I think, so I've been fortunate enough to meet quite a few of my, my idols. Um, you know, like, I'm really into basketball. I mean, sneakers and basketball go hand in hand. And I've, I've met quite a few basketball players, uh, that I've looked up to and some of them are just super nice really cool people and some of them could not care less about you mm. and and to look up to someone like that and then to have that thrown back at you like for me that was a very painful realization you know like it's it's almost like um this this idea that you have that you built up in your mind of this person is just it's all lies mm. so I just it's, it's, to be honest, it's heartbreaking. So, um, I just kind of told myself, you know what, I'm, I'm never going to get to that, you know, no matter how successful or whatever I get, you know, if I do get successful, that's not going to happen to me. I'm never going to be that kind of person. And I just wanted to have that messaging right from the get go, just to make sure just as a reminder, but always to set the tone for everything. Like I'm just, you're never above anybody else. Right. Always growing, always learning. Yeah. Yeah. Never above. I, Never. I think that's terrific. So um, has that really resonated with a, a ton of people? Not just like, oh my gosh, I got to give those people a shirt. Like, because um, I, I, I mean, I really am. I think you should always think of yourself as, uh, you know, treat other people how you would want to be treated mm -hmm. uh, and not you know, I'm better than them. So they should, you know, entitled kind of like I'm entitled right. to something. I mean, you're not entitled to anything. You're not even entitled to the next hour. So, you know, you just got to keep going. So yeah. how, how has, how is that, how have you heard from other people that that's resonated? Um, I've actually had some pretty deep conversations with people about the meaning behind it. And I mean, it's, it's been pretty amazing to hear, you know, other people's side of the story and, and what, what it means to them. I mean, because, you know, a certain phrase or a saying may mean something to me, uh, but it could mean something completely different to somebody else. Right. And it could be just as significant to them. And that's what I love about this. You know, it's, it's, it's so much fun to interact with people and find out where they're coming from and how they're, how they're digesting your, your art. Right. All right. So now we're going to get to this question <clears throat> anonymous viewer which is a really sad name for their last name was viewer and their parent named them anonymous <laughs> um so are there, i know <laughs> um, are there any other resources and i know you get this a lot 
um, example books that you could give for lettering? And also, what's a, one good tip that you could give in regards to getting better in lettering? What helped you? Hmm. Um, I honestly did not digest any books or anything like that. Um, I mean, I, I looked at a lot of lettering artists that, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I looked at a lot of work from lettering artists that, that uh, resonated with me. So I study a lot of other people's work and, um, you know, obviously not copying, but just but studying. Like, what do you mean by studying? So I, I agree with this, but I want you to break that down for me a little bit. So I guess if I look at something and I like it, I try to understand what it is about it that I like as far as just going down to the, the absolute the smallest details. Mm -hmm. I mean, did they, did they connect this letter to that letter a certain way? Or, hmm. you know, did they use a, a disconnected letter instead of, you know, a connected one? Or is it the capital instead of not? I mean, what, what chances did they take with it and why does it work? Hmm. Um, just kind of explore everything about it. Um, That's good. So I also think that you get better as you start analyzing type. Um, yes. The more you do, you know, in the beginning, you think it's okay, but then you, you do have to compare to other people. Like, well, how are they doing their lettering? The more you look, I always think of it, I, I know I've said this before, but we're eating visually. If all you're eating visually is like McDonald's. Yeah. I hope McDonald's isn't watching, but if all you're eating <laughs> is McDonald's, you're, what's going to come out is, is it going to be only McDonald's? So you have to eat really good hamburgers or really good yes. steaks or something, you know, Ruth Chris steaks. Like that's like a hundred dollar meal as composed to like $2 meal. And yes. so it's about your palate. Your palate gets better the more. So if people looked at your Instagram to see who you follow, that might be a good way for you to be following good people that are eating good visually, maybe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so, um, all right, so we, we're, we're really doing good. I did better about my little things. I'm taking notes and everything. Awesome. Um, all right, so why, it's because I think you're a really good writer. Um, everything that I read that you had said or you had written back in an interview was really eloquent. It was well-written. So why do a vlog, and I know you're a film person, but why do a vlog instead of a blog? Um, I feel like when I write, I tend to change the kind of person that I sound like. Mm. <laughs> and I just wanted to come off more genuine, so... Uh, I think vlogging, I mean, there's no, like, I can sit there and rehearse what I'm going to say over and over, but that would just take forever. So I just said, you know what, this is going to be an opportunity for me to improve speaking and, you know, improve my presence on camera. So let me do that. And, you know, it, it'll be a good learning experience for me. And yeah, and just writing, I mean, I, I do like writing, but it's just a completely different, like, I, I feel like it's not it's often not really me, like the, the, the so it's real. it's more authentic? Yeah. Okay. So, because it, it does sound really good. You're a really good writer. Um, mm -hmm. Not that you don't sound good on regular. Like, that sounds <laughs> terrible. Like, wow, she's just killing me on there. That is not what I mean. But I think, um, so this was like you were doing a weekly vlog. Um, so was it hard? And because they weren't, 
I don't know, I can't remember how long they were, but it was a good bit of information that was going on. Um, so it was a lot of shots, I yeah. can imagine. And then you were putting music. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. Like, I have no idea how Casey Neistat, Neistat, Neistat. I don't know how he, I don't know how he does that every day. I don't either. Every day. And some of them are 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, but, um, so was it hard to push out content every week? It was, it, it really is hard to push out content because there may not be anything exciting going on. Like for the last two or three weeks, I've literally just been sitting here in <laughs> illustrator designing things and that's not <laughs> camera friendly. I mean, <clears throat> like I, really the, the time that I was vlogging, it was like around the holidays, there was a lot of things happening. So it, it was easier to generate content and kind of show what my life was like. And back then, um, it was still fresh. Like I was, I was fresh into entrepreneurship and like I was still trying to figure things out and I hadn't established a routine yet. So, um, I was learning a lot about myself and about processes and what not to do. So I was sharing all of that stuff in the vlogs. And now that I'm kind of, you know, a little more, you know, deep into it and figure, I've already figured out what I'm trying to do and where I'm going and, um, you know, and sitting at the desk most of the time, it's, it's much, much harder to come out with interesting stuff unless I go to creative cell. <laughs> but I feel like, um, with Casey, he's always doing something. He never talks about, he never is, is filming himself editing or, yeah. um, he's never in a meeting and he seems like he goes to a lot of meetings. So it is, it's difficult if you're not interacting. Like there was one where you were like, I had to take James to the doctor. <laughs> and I, but I love that. But then, you know, you have to set the camera down. Then you and James have to walk back. I mean, it's like, there's yeah. a lot that goes into, and James is probably like, dad, let's go. Yeah. I mean, he's like, you know? hey. um, he's like in the car seat, in the car yeah. seat. Um, like, Hello, I'm sick. Doctor. <laughs> right, Y'all were both sick. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we were. So it's, it, I mean, that's a huge commitment that you were doing. But it really is. It's more than that hour that you were giving yourself at the end of the day. It takes more time. So now what are you thinking? Are you killing the vlog? Or are you just doing it as more when you're, when you're learning and doing something and you have something to say? And I've talked to Scotty like about how he's doing this and how he wants to do this. And it's been really good. Cause uh -huh. I, and it was anyway. I think, I think I will continue the vlog, but I'm going to just do it when I have something significant to say. Um, which could be dangerous because I could be like, you know, oh, I have this to say, and then it just gets pushed to the back burner because I'm working on a collection of products, you know? Yeah, it's hard when you have commitment. If you, yeah. It's better if you have a commitment, but then you have to make something up if you're not. Yeah. And so unless you're living this amazing life that you're always going and doing these things, it's really difficult if you're in your house with your shoes. Right. Like, that could be it. Your vlog could be changing your shoes every day. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I could have a shoe a day vlog. <laughs> That's right. You would have a different shoe. audience. <laughs> <laughs> they might buy your shoes though. It, yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Um, so um, with opening the shop, there were many other hats that you were wearing. Um, photographer, web designer. Um, how often in that six-month period were you lettering? Very little in that six months. I would say... 10 to 15%. Like it was, yeah, there wasn't, 
there wasn't a whole lot of time left for me to actually do any lettering or calligraphy. Like I, I think you, you could probably tell if you look uh, at the Instagram account, you can probably tell that, you know, it's, it's pretty steady up until July. And then once July hits, it's like, boom, it just, it's just completely comes to a standstill. And there's like one here and there that's like a still photo, not a video, you know, right. It was really hard. It's really hard to, to keep everything going at once. I'm eventually going to need some help for sure. Yeah. And it is again about that commitment and doing the thing that got you there. Right. And that yeah. you love because some of that other stuff you don't love, but you have to wear mm -hmm. that hat because that's where you are right now. Right. Like if, if uh, someone places an or if two people place an order overnight, for example, and I wake up and I see these two orders, um, it takes me like, maybe an hour in the morning to pack up these orders and get them ready to ship out. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an hour and it sounds like a lot. It's just because I don't, you know, I'm not getting orders every single day. I'm not like, I don't have the process down to a T. So right. when an order comes in, I have to go get this thing and do that and put it together and print out the invoice. And like, it's, it's still new to me, you know, it's, it's not automated yet. Right. So, it takes a lot longer than it should and it eats up a good chunk of the day. And then there goes an hour or two that could have been for, you know, calligraphy right. or something. So just a lot of things like that just come up and, and just the time is gone. <laughs> so I know we're not going to answer all the questions, but my number nine, the must answer question that okay. I'm so glad we at least have time sort of for this. We'll go a little over probably, but you talked about in the vlog, how being a dad, and having James has made you less introverted. And I thought that was fascinating. So I really want you to explain this. So, so this is something that I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, I don't really have it fully worked out yet, but I think. So I'm, I tend to be someone who cares a lot about what other people think. Mm. And um, I think when James was born, and just to see the way that he looks back at me, to look at him and see him looking back at me, the rest of the world just kind of melts away. Mm. And I just, there's, there's nobody else. And I think in some weird way, that kind of gave me the confidence to not care about anybody else. You know, to, to care less about what people think of me and to just, just do me, you know. It's, it's just all about me and James and family and, and this business and, you know, don't worry about everybody else. Right. Cause he just loves you for you. And it's amazing to have that love and, and just to see it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so really I love, I love what Patrick says. My kid loves me. So no worries. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I think, but I think that's really, so you really went from not a salesman to being a salesman and then I know that has to have confidence. I mean, you are confident in, in your skills, and but it's different to take that. And then I think having James really helped get you to the point where, hey, this is just me. Like, I'm, he thinks I'm okay, you know? Yeah. So um, anyway, Fabio says that's amazing what little dudes will teach you. So Yeah, very true. All right, so there was a second part to this one. Um, why? Because we're not going to get done with it that quick. Um, why is it important to step out there? Oh, wait. 
um, I do think many designers find themselves in this exact situation, like at a conference or an event, and I want to help them learn what you did without having a kid. You know, if they have kids, um, we don't yeah. have to be like, hey, I got to have a kid. But um, what would, like, because now you can, you're at a conference and you would just be you. Yeah. So just, and James isn't there, right? So what is right. it? It's just that you've told yourself what? Well, I, I don't know that it's, I don't know if I've told myself anything. It's just that he has changed me innately in a way. Um, but I mean, as far as, <laughs> as far as bringing introverts out without having a kid, <laughs> I mean, that, I don't know if I can answer that because Honestly, honestly, my first conference, my first circles conference, I did that conference completely wrong. Mm -hmm. I went to the conference and I talked to maybe one or two people the whole time. I was a fly on the wall. I just, I listened to all the talks and I didn't, I didn't speak to anybody at all. I didn't introduce myself. Because why? I, I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't feel like, I, I didn't feel like, I felt like all these people, all these other people were way more talented than I was. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it was intimidating to approach anybody, um, you know, and you look around and you see other people having conversations and they're interacting and you're, you don't want to be the guy to, you know, step in there and go, ha 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 that was a funny <laughs> joke. And, and then everyone just kind of like walks away from you. You know, like it, it's, it's hard to know how to approach these people. And, and yeah, just my first, con actually my first two conferences I did completely wrong, just like that. So... And, then you went, you, was your third conference Creative South? Yes. So, yeah. so Patrick says he gets hit with imposter syndrome. Hey, man, that is everybody. Uh-huh. Everybody. And if they don't have it, they did at one time, and now yeah. they're just, like, going with it, and they don't care. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a maybe a good way. Um, yes, totally a relief. A relief to know. But it still kind of feels like – so I used to say um, – you know, I think everybody has a superpower. Uh -huh. And I used to say, um, whenever I, because the S and the W are right, you know, you use the same finger, I think, when you're typing. So yeah. it would always say superposer. And I'd be like, that's superposer. Because that's what it feels like. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember what I was saying. <laughs> oh, oh, at a conference. So it's, I, this is why I think it's really important for people to, there's two things I think you can do at a conference. One is know people who are going so that you don't be that, so that you're going to feel like you could, sometimes people just need some other people to be able to talk to somebody new. Yes. You don't need to just be next to these two people the whole time. Yeah. But if you're comfortable and confident, then you could say hey to somebody else and invite them to go to lunch because there's always going to be somebody that need, is sitting completely alone and they just do the stuff and they go back to their hotel and they do the stuff and they go back to their hotel. But that makes for such a crappy conference. Definitely. Right? Yeah. And I've I actually I kind of made it a point to do that when I was at Creative Self is if if I saw someone that I knew um, that I had spoken to and they seemed kind of nervous about talking to other people, I would take it upon myself to introduce them to this other person. And yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's, it's not really about 
getting them to meet everybody, but it's just about giving them that little kickstart. Like if you get them talking to this person, then that might just give that person the little confidence they need to approach another person later on. And like that, that can be completely game changing for them. So. Right. So Brandon said, I need to find another fly on the wall so that we can both venture out together. I feel more comfortable if I can find someone who's just as shy, just as shy as I am. So one thing I would say, Brandon, is you could also find somebody who's more like me, who I'm going to get to know you and yeah. then I'm going to introduce you to some people who I think you would really gel with. Um, yeah. And, and I think it's just, that could be anybody. And really that's what Terrence is doing because, but you kind of came with your peeps. I mean, you didn't maybe hadn't ever met Colin in person, but you and Colin had a lot in common. You mm -hmm. ran the Slack group together. So I really think Brandon, it's about finding a community of people now. And some people you can find in this chat group and then go yeah. to a conference with them or find, you know, on Twitter or Facebook or something, you just start a conversation and you'll realize that people are really just pretty real and nice. I remember when I started stalking Ryan Hamrick, I was like, and he like responded back to me. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> I remember, and I think I've talked to Eric about this. And I know I've talked to Ryan about this, but I, I mean, I love Ryan. He's so like down to earth, but he's amazing letterer. Mm -hmm. it, it's that's how people think about you, Terrence, right? And they're like, he he responded back to me. Like one of my one of my alumni was so excited that it was you this week. And Ashley, <laughs> I'm just calling you out here. It's not really? Ashley. Yes, yeah, so not Ashley that you connected. That uh -huh. Ashley loves you too, but Ashley Pierce. Um, that that is you just geek out like they. <laughs> he was geeking out over you. And so, Ashley, you should probably reach out to Terrence since now I called you out on it. But it was out of love, right? But yeah. But it's like, yeah. you think it's great that some you're like really you you know like you yeah. Know? That's that's really that's <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. That's so strange to me still. <laughs> but that's awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely reach out. I mean, there's like you you two things can happen. You can reach out to someone and they could be a complete douche. And then you just know, you know, I mean, then, I mean, stay humble. Or they could be completely awesome and friendly to you. And then like, that's just the best thing ever. So. And it's the connection. Now you've made yeah. a new friend. And so it's just like you going up in a conference and then you're like laughing, haha, and then they are quiet and, and treat you bad. You should just be like, great, those are people I don't want to hang out with, and then yeah. go to the next people because there will be your people. Yes. It's, it's just clear that those people weren't it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just, yeah, if you encounter that, try not to sweat it too much. I mean, I know it's, I know it's heartbreaking and disheartening to encounter that, but um, really it's just you thought someone was, you know, one of your people and they're not, so... So Anne said, Anne um, is at a university in Virginia, and she said, our students are looking up to you a lot, Terrence. And so, so there's, a ton of, there's a ton of people. I, I just think that you do. <laughs> I, like, I think you need to stumble, though, right? There, like, I think um, maybe Eric was being funny or not funny, but I like to stumble. Like, I think you need to fail, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Embrace failure. Embrace failure. Stumbling is part of the process. 
Right. Fall yeah. forward for sure. Fail forward for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, so we've like totally um, gone a little bit over, but not too bad. I know we didn't finish, but we did really pretty good. Um, awesome. any, last, any last things about at a conference, what you would do or what you did do because Creative South was different. So how, what was different so that you could tell somebody like Brandon, what, you know, give them encouragement. What was different at Creative South? Yeah. How were you different at Creative South? I think Creative South in itself, uh, the setting and the people and the tone that's set by um, Mike Jones and the people that run it, it's, it's, a, it's completely a family atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's unlike any other conference that I've been to. And um, once you're there, you'll see. I mean, it's, it's, it'll be easier to just reach out and, and talk to anybody than, than there than at any other conference. It's, that's, that's the amazing thing about Creative Self. Like they, they just really, they really make it easy for you to just be yourself and hang out and just not worry about all the, um, you know, the, the superstardom of designers and, you know, all the, the crazy politics and all that. Like it just, it's the whole conference is staying humble, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And you can really go talk to anybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked to, I talked to people at Creative South that I would have never dreamed of, you know, interacting with. Like it, it was just, it was mind blowing to me <laughs> to talk to a lot of these people. I mean, you'll see in the vlog. I mean, I was, I was completely geeking out, but I was trying to <laughs> keep a straight face. Like I'm cool. I'm good. It's, uh, it's just Bob Ewing over there. It's all good. <laughs> so, but I think it's neat to think some, because you're that way to somebody else. And I really think you just need to be, as loving and open to everyone mm -hmm. as you can, especially at something like, cause you never know. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you right, can do so, it, Patrick. <laughs> you can. And Patrick, creative stuff tickets are on sale. Um, yes. and I don't know where you are, Patrick, uh, in the country or in the world. Um, KCMO. Uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Sweet. There's another girl, Abby, who comes from Kansas City, but I think she's the Kansas City, Kansas side. But I don't really know for sure. And Brian White's in Kansas, and he came to the conference. Anyway, see, anyway, but Brian's not in Kansas City. I don't know where you are, Brian. Thanks for the t-shirts, too. Lawrence. Okay. Um, all right. So, another great guy. All right. So, Go to, uh, you can go to Creative South, creativesouthga.com, just a plug, I am the, I just love it, I'm the volunteer coordinator, and I don't get any money for doing any of that, it's just, because I love it, and it's a great conference, right? Yes. All right, so, when I copied um, everything, I didn't copy your um, uh, social media stuff right, so I've been, like, trying to copy and paste while we've been talking. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so I want to share a couple of things. So the when we were talking about how you grew your Instagram audience and stuff like that, I'm going to share that video again. I know um, Eric shared it already, but I'm going to share it again. Cool. And thanks, Eric. There is that one, and then we also the stay humble is there's another um, I, for for you guys if you want to get a shirt. Or a hat. Oh, that was another question. He has sketchbooks. He has tons of cool stickers. Um, so what, how did you decide what products you were going to sell? 
Um, it's really just what I feel like doing. I mean, oh. there's really, there's really, uh, I don't have a formula for it at all. I don't go off of whatever happens to be, you know, trending in fashion. I just, I kind of let my mindset and kind of the, the messaging that's resonating with me at the time steer me in a direction. And the upcoming collection is, uh, it's called the Discovery Collection, and it's all about finding your way and discovering things about yourself. So cool. that's where I'm at now, and that's what the collection's about. So. Cool. That sounds awesome. All right, so I'm going to share a couple more. I just shared the Facebook link, and then um, the only one I didn't get was Snapchat. Can you write that one in? Oh. Uh, or just yeah. tell us what your handle is. Is it just Tinlin it's probably It's probably Tinlin Studio. <laughs> Studio 10. No one Yes. Right. Not that there would be two O's. That was silly. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> anyway, you knew what I meant. So there's yeah. Facebook. There's his Instagram, which most of the handles are all Tin Lun Studio. The one. Right. <laughs> oh yes, Studio. <laughs> and then, um, then there's uh, Twitter is the same, and then the YouTube channel for the whole channel is there also, so you can kind of see that. <laughs> Oh, that's funny, Terrence. You're like, bull. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even say shoot bookers today, so let's um, just go ahead and um, <laughs> say it. Oh, yeah, your face swaps with your son. I honestly, <laughs> when I was trying to tag you in a Facebook post, I was like, I don't think that's him. That doesn't look like <laughs> him. And I was like, I had to zoom. I was like, forget this. I have to go back. And I had to look to see because I was like, that does not look like him. He, he's going to thank me for those one day. Those are going to pop up like ex at significant points in his life, like graduation <laughs> and his wedding and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm That's saving that stuff. <laughs> but we still have some stuff I wanted to talk about. So I would definitely want to see, talk about how you give back and how you do the community stuff. So maybe we can get you back on. That'd be great. That. Okay. That'd be that would be great for me too. Anyway, guys, thanks for hanging out for a little bit late. And if you want to follow me, because I always forget to give this stuff. So if you're listening on the podcast, you can always follow me at rechargingyou.com. That's the where you can see all the episodes I've done. I believe this is episode like 186 or 5 or 7 or something. It's pretty far down there. Um, and then you can, I'm trying, I'm looking at my um, you can email me at diane at rechargingyou.com or diane at designrecharge.org. Um, and then I think that's it. So if you, if you need anything or if you want to hear something, um, all my handles are pretty much at design recharge. So I'd love to hear from you and see what you're interested in. And next week we have Terrence's roommate at creative South. Colin tyranny is going to be on. So it's just lettering, lettering back to back. Um, and I'm really excited to have him. He's really going to be talking about crayligraphy. So if you don't know what that is, I um, hopefully you guys will like really look at it. And he's going to launch something soon as well. Whoa. So I can't wait to have him on next week. And he is, he was, he was a pretty good roommate maybe, right? Oh yeah. yeah he was, was in fun. the vlog. He was in the vlog. <laughs> yeah, Every morning. He had, a, he had a little cameo in the vlog. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, thanks guys for coming and thank you for tuning in every week. It really makes a difference to me. So thank you. And um, Terrence, just thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Thanks for coming. This, this was so much fun. It was. All right. I'll see you guys next week.